Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Don Calloway. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, whew, let's be clear about something. I am a Democrat because I believe in the notion that to the extent that we believe that American politics is still a worthwhile participatory activity, for our lifetimes and the foreseeable future, we are likely engaged in a two-party system. I choose membership in one of those parties as a method of trying to pull levers and engage the system in the direction of a little bit more freedom and equity for our people. Maybe that's not possible, but that's where I've cast my professional lot. Now, I am not mad at somebody like Cornell West for choosing not to spend his professional career to the extent he choose. first of all, we all have the right, if not the obligation, to participate in participatory American democracy. One would say that it's a tremendous privilege to be able to abdicate the responsibility of participating in American democracy. We all have a role to do in pushing this country forward or maybe pulling it forward, kicking and screaming. One cannot be mad at a man such as Cornell West, who has looked at this system as it exists and decided that it's not a true democracy. In fact, it's probably a lot closer to oligarchy, right? Um, and say, hey, I want to participate. I want to contribute my energy and my thought, but I don't feel at home in either one of the participatory parties that are set up. Therefore, I'm not willing to abdicate my responsibility to participate just to participate in the context of one of these parties. And James Carville, is saying the real ugly part out loud. So I'm writing a book. This is the first time I'm talking about it publicly. It's called In on the Joke, which means that all of us here in Washington, D.C., in the Congressional Industrial Complex, consultants, lobbyists, media, members of Congress, are ultimately all in on the joke. And we have a vested interest now. You see my backyard. We have a vested interest in making sure that the system continues to perpetuate so all of us can continue to play and, yeah, make your points, but everybody gets paid and the world keeps going round and round. Shout out to Bill Withers, live in Harlem, 1975, right? But to suggest that one of our country's foremost public intellectuals who has applied his life's energy towards philosophy, both ancient and modern, and ways to use philosophy as an underpinning for policy, to suggest that he is a menace is the real ugly part. And let's be clear about something. James Carville is a lifetime registered Democrat. So as you see, white supremacy has no party. You understand? Because he's not saying David Duke is a menace, right? David Duke is a Ku Klux Klansman who continues to participate in American public life as a Republican. He's not saying Ron DeSantis is a menace. Of course, he's encouraging people to vote for the Democrat over Ron DeSantis. But the menace is the person who is siphoning energy likely from his Democratic Party in the interest of, I still want to participate. And oh, by the way, I am eminently qualified to participate. I'm Dr. Goddamn Cornell West. <laughs> let's, let's be honest about this. Excuse my language. No. I'm Cornell West from Shiloh Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Who in this country is qualified to tell me that I'm not, I'm not eligible to apply my intellectual talents toward the American democratic process? Oh, I'm sorry, James Carville, 75 year old white man from the American South, who was the architect, inflation's on the wrong syllable, architect <laughs> of the actual legislative vehicle that tripled mass incarceration in this country, right? 
That comes from James Carville. Because let's be clear about something else. The Come political on. strategy, which Carville is in charge of, is not disconnected from the legislative strategy, which Clinton went in there and executed, right? And oh, by the way, he had a compliant, complicit, Reagan-generated Congressional Black Caucus, which helped him every step along the way, right? But it just shows you, you understand why people like Dr. Cornell West, who have the intellectual authority, and by the way, have the moral authority yes. to see through this two-party system. You understand why people don't want to apply their time and talents participating with a Democratic Party when it's run by people like James Carville. So thank you, James Carville, for saying out loud what it is. And James Carville is part of the problem because he is going to be the primary resistance to a Democratic Party progress because it's younger and browner and mm -hmm. LGBTQIA2 pluser and different than the Democratic Party of the James Carville era. So, you know, I, I don't want to say F James Carville, but I'll get as close as I can. And I've been on I've been on MSNBC with him a few times now and fundamentally disagree because James Carville only exists to the extent that he exists in a party who is not willing to challenge his troglodyte views, be, not because he's not wrong, not because he's smarter than everybody, but because old white men are generally unchallenged. And that has to stop, whether it's in two-party politics or in a broader participatory system that we all exist in. I just want, I just needed that to have some breath. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Don Calloway is here. He has arrived. Uh, and he always, and this is the thing, you know, to have these conversations, um, I think they're important, right? So... <laughs> While many of us get angry with the Cornell West for running because you feel like he's siphoning votes from Biden. I want Biden to be challenged to do all of the things the way Obama was never challenged to do all of the things that he could have done the way Trump wasn't challenged to do all of the things like we should challenge everybody. If Martin Luther King can challenge a, a racist from Texas named LBJ to and he told him to sit down and wait and he said no I'm not and if he could be challenged into all of those amendments that were passed during the civil rights era because Martin Luther King and Dorothy uh, excuse me um uh, Bear Rustin and Dorothy Height, all, yep. all, all of them, uh, Ella Baker decided that they were not going to sit down, that they were going to keep pressing. Um, well, that is our responsibility with anyone that's in office and especially locally where most of our lives are impacted. And if we don't mature into that, we're going to be right back here in two years and four years and two years and four years with the same lament, with the same bad water, with the same bad policies, with the same lack of, of, of police reform and gun reform and all the education reform that needs to happen. We're going to be right back here having the same conversation. And I'm tired of talking. So I'm just going to say that, I, you know, we may do a talk show three hours a day. I'm not a radio person. I'm not in this for the radio. I'm in it for the revolution, okay? So either you about this life or you're not. And if you're not, go sit down somewhere, find some place okay. to go knit a, right. knit a rug or whatever it is you do, play, go bowling, whatever you do that is not this, you know, go, go and do it. Right. But don't come in here with the BS. At the same time, though, from a strategy point, because you are a strategist, you're a strategist. 2024 is around the corner. We have a binary choice right now. Right now it's Biden. He's been, you know, no one's running again. He's running, running unopposed in the Democratic Party, right? And we might have DeSantis and Trump in jail, running from jail. Because he can still run from jail, right? Like he. Oh, yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. So, so that might be. From, he can win from jail. He can win from jail, right? So, so we might have Biden and Trump again. What does a Cornell West uh, third party write in 
what does that do? I feel like he's not taking votes away from Biden per se, because I feel like the people who are voting for Cornell West were never going to vote for Biden, period. Right. So that's right. Thoughts on that's that? That's right. They probably were not. I, I mean, look, I, I think that this is nothing new. I think Cornell West is probably one of the more prominent practitioners to have pulled this off. And in the era of technology, 24 hour news cycle and social media, he can pull it off to a more prominent degree than anyone else has. I think he has the opportunity to inject his ideas, a truly progressive agenda into the mainstream of the Democratic Party. I mean, for 10 years now, transgender politics and transgender equity has been a fundamental pillar of the Democratic Party platform. That's in the last 10 years. That's because transgender activists made their voices heard in LGBTQIA plus advocacy organizations. Cornell West is an extraordinarily prominent voice to make his voice heard in the Democratic convention, in the Democratic Party mechanism, so that ultimately the Democratic Party is going to have to look in his eye, debate him on the merits over the course of the next two years and tell him where he's wrong. And if he ain't wrong, then maybe we need to start incorporating some of his ideas instead of James Carville's ideas into the fundamental Democratic Party platform. And if you are able to integrate substantive progressive ideas, substantive anti-oligarchic, substantive egalitarian ideas into based in love, based in revolutionary love for everybody. Right. If you are able to integrate the Cornell West agenda into the substantive Democratic Party platform, then you have a more egalitarian party. And frankly, to the Demo- to the extent that the Democrats hold reins of power in the House, Senate or presidency, Cornell West's ideas are represented in that. So the only villain here is the person attempting to suppress those progressive voices, attempting to tell Cornell West that he can't participate. And if a man would have the audacity to look in a camera or a microphone <laughs> and tell the great Cornell West, right, one of the kings of Wakanda, that he cannot have a voice in this American democratic experiment, then what does he say to Shaniqua them on the block who feel a kind of way about a real pain that they are experiencing as a part of American citizenship How are their voices to be respected, let alone elevated or heard in a Democratic Party that's telling Cornel West, right, of Harvard and Princeton and wherever else he wants to be to sit down and shut up. Right. And that's why we can't give air. These ideas flourish when they're given air. You cannot give air or life to a James Carville who was shut down one of our kings, because what would he do to our children who are expressing real pain? What has he done? I mean, you already said that. What has we, he done? That's right. Never, what has we he never, done? We never pull that thread. Like, I, every chance I get, I bring up Ehrlichman from Nixon's administration. Every chance I get, yes. I bring up Ehrlichman because you got to go to the architect. You know, you, you, we talk yes. about the Southern strategy. We got to go to the architects because those are the people that hide in the shadows. Who's the, the, the puffy, look like uh, the puffy person under, uh, what is it, Carl Rove? We got to talk about these people. We got to talk about the Steve Banners because behind every king is a king maker behind every president is somebody actually pushing these agendas and uh so we need to know those names and those names need to be just as prevalent the bob Igers, when we talk about hollywood and and the zavlovs and and the manuels and and the hastings all of them should be right up there with the superstars that are out pick on the picket line right now because those are the ones that are actually oppressing and creating a plantation environment for for the actors and the writers it's all the same to me you know it's all the same let me ask you, we, yeah. we have to go to break. Um, 
what for those of us in corporate America, for those of us in spaces like you, you said, look at my backyard. For those of us in spaces where we depend on other people's checks to make a living, which is most of us, right? And there's no shame in that. It's the way this, this system was designed, right? You got to go to work and make money to feed yourself and your family. How much coverage do we give to the corporations when we know the corporations are doing, like, for example, Hollywood? I'm sure that there's some actors out there who, you know, are out there giving coverage to the, to the execs because, because they'll be rewarded when this thing is all over. And it's going to be over at some point by one way or another. What's our responsibility? There is a 25-minute monologue um, that my brother Stephen A. Smith gave to, uh, I guess, apologize, oh, not apologize, uh, uh, how do I put this? Um, giving coverage to ESPN for for bad management, really, you know, because we all see the storm coming. The clouds are right there. Don't you then tighten the belt? Do you spend more money? Do you do you do you fire all of these people because you made some bad decisions? How about somebody at the top of the food chain uh, taking that hit because you don't need all it, you don't need fifty million dollars, do you? Can you put half of that back in to to make sure that these people who are making a hundred thousand? or 70,000 keep a job like is you know what's the responsibility of the person working to give coverage let's talk about that um you know as you're somebody navigating these spaces as well because we need action items we need we need to be able to to sit and not also uh acquiesce to the bs when you see it right 866-801-8255 because we want things to change we got to change it from the inside from the outside we got to do all of the things we are here Monday through Friday. If you're just tuning in, you know you how you just turn turn around. You're, you're going down the up and down the dial. And you just happen to be here. This is Urban View, where talking powers and becomes action. Uh, you know, stick around, be quiet. You know, listen before you call up. But you know, you can call and participate. But add something to the conversation. We don't want um, just opinions. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Rooted in your ignorance. We don't want that. We want it rooted rooted in your knowledge. Speaking of knowledge, Don Calloway is here. Strategy attorney um you may see him on some other channels and stuff um but is here's where he's home don calloway um we were talking yes, yes. before the break let okay. me just be be transparent um i have a lot of thoughts that i may or may not share because i don't want to i, I don't want to put my thumb on the scale because i feel like you know i don't want to influence people one way or the other this is why i'm voting for biden when it's time to vote because there, there there's only two options However, I would love for there to be other options and there just aren't. So I'm going to do what we got to do for survival. But at the meantime, I'm, you know, behind the scenes, picking and plotting and, you know, doing all of that for you. um, You know, Cornell West is seen as somebody that should have a seat at the table, should should be bringing ideas to the table. We should be listening, you know, not saying cast your vote for him. Me personally, are you saying cast the vote for him? In a, in in a general election, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying cast a vote for Cornell West whatsoever. I am saying reject any notion that Cornell West is uh, is non qualified or non competent to participate in American democracy. A man of right. his intellectual accomplishment. Now, I, I think about the great Ossie Davis, and I talk about this often. One of the one of the highlights of my life was being 21 years old. And sitting in an empty Bob the Chefs in, in in Boston, Massachusetts, with me, Ossie Davis, and my friend Dick Gregory, who set it up. He was a friend and mentor of mine from St. Louis, right? And so this is perhaps the greatest day of my life. And I didn't have three kids and got married two times, right? 
So <laughs> just keeping it real about what it was. And I think about Ossie Davis's eulogy for Malcolm X when he says very explicitly, there will be those who tell us to revile him and to run from his memory and that he is an enemy of the black man and that he is he is dangerous to us. There will be those who will tell us to run away from these type of people. And Ossie says, and we will smile and say to them, did Brother Malcolm ever do a mean thing? Was he ever engaged in any violence? Did he himself ever oppress anyone? And if you think about Cornell West, I'm not saying he's Malcolm X, but he is certainly one who has taken up the Malcolmian legacy of advocacy for those who have had less and who have had what Howard Thurman says, their backs against the wall at any given time in human history, particularly in this country. For Cornell West to have taken up that legacy, this is what that looks like. This is what Ossie Davis was saying. There will be those who will tell us that he is a menace. There will be those who tell us that he is the problem, not Trump, not white supremacy, not white. Not, he is the problem with progress in this country. There will be those who tell us to flee from his memory. And for those who choose, everybody wants to be Malcolm. Everybody wants to be the next great advocate. Well, you have to know that there will be those in power, James Carville, who tell us to, to tell black people, it is in our best interest to reject you, right? Because you, <clears throat> your thoughts, the way you articulate them are fundamentally part of making the system a little bit more fairer, a little bit more fairer. And of course we know Democrats don't want that, but James Carville reminds us, I'm sorry, of course we know Republicans don't want that, but James Carville reminds us that a whole lot of Democrats don't want that either. I was gonna right? say, you didn't and really so, slip. Because I, I, you know, when people say, the, both parties are the same. I reject that because they're not policy wise. Yeah. But the people right. in both they're parties, fundamentally not. right? The people in both parties are the same when we talk about human beings, you know, who may put a D next to their name, but still operate under the same notion that you and I don't deserve rights, you know, and they just, you know, it's, yes. it's well, distasteful. I could never vote for Trump, but you're not voting for freedom for everybody. So I can't even, no. you know, lean in, although the policies are not the same. And if we're being honest, you know, the Democratic Party to me is right now black people are the backbone. We gave you the presidency in 2020. We saved the Senate for you. In 2022 with Warnock in, in Georgia, that was black people, period, right? And if you don't double down on not just supporting black candidates, but also supporting agendas that disproportionately impact black people, especially in the wake of the dismantling of voting rights, affirmative action, and all the other DNI and everything else that's happening in this country at the exact same time. If you as a party are not there to support, then I want to you know, ask the question, like, wh- why do you expect to get people to show up to vote for yeah. you. Well, let's be clear. The Democratic Party is a multifaceted, multimedia corporation, which is run by privileged, moneyed white people. It existentially relies on the participation and cooperation of black folks, but it is not owned nor run by black folks, right? Its ongoing viability is almost inherently and existentially tied to Black folks viewing us, if not favorably, at least as the better of two evils. But to be clear, the stakeholders, shareholders, and operators of the multiple corporate entities that amount to what we proverbially and colloquially call, quote unquote, the Democratic Party, is largely run by moneyed and privileged and highly educated white folks in New York, L.A., and San Francisco, and D.C., right? And so... 
they need your they need our votes. That is our leverage in this situation. But the Democratic Party is racist because it's run by privileged moneyed white folks on the coastal elites, right? And that's just and and look, I'm a member of the Democratic Party, right? And so um, that's just what it is. And something that's run by coastal elites, mostly white, but definitely privileged, will never be an egalitarian enterprise, right? I don't. Uh, that's across industries, right? So. Um, the one unique space that we do have in American politics is that it, that institution is necessarily reliant upon our participation, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so should, should we and what demand, do we get in exchange for that? I was going to say, shouldn't we demand, like, so, so my, my, my thing has been over the last several years is, is hoping, trying to cultivate a, a mechanism to hold accountable, right? When Obama, when President Obama was elected, I, you know, I had some discussions with people who had access and they were more interested in being invited to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl parties and taking those pictures yes. and being being yeah. an advisor without any pressure, having access yeah. without any accountability. And I always I was I was so disappointed to this day. Like you had an opportunity to do something. And I also excoriated Cornell yeah. West and 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 Tavis Smiley because it seemed like they were being very petty and and, and bitter because they didn't get an invite. And and so their accountability yes rang you know hollow because you you prefaced it with i didn't get invited to the white house as opposed to doing what you should have been doing which is you know so you so this i don't put them in the malcolm category because there's some pettiness there that you can't you can't well and that's the thing like there are substantive criticisms of cornell west right both on his intellectual and scholarly content as well as on his personal politics there are absolutely substantive criticisms of cornell west but objectively he is not a menace you know what I'm saying? No, he's not, he's not no, a menace. You, you that was the language. That yeah. was the language of that was right. the language of J. Edgar Hoover and Cointelpro, right? Right, right? Those are the people who told us that <clears throat> not Malcolm X, but Dr. King was a menace, was the greatest threat to American democracy as a charismatic Negro, right? That is effectively what James Carville, who is one of the architects of the modern Democratic Party, 50% of the American ruling structure, he said Cornell West is a menace. Again, I go back to Ossie Davis's eulogy. Has he ever done a mean thing? Has Brother Cornell West ever done a mean thing? Has he ever oppressed anyone? Was he himself ever associated with any acts of violence? That's just not the case, right? It's an objective untruth. And so to think that somebody who I line up on the same side of the ball as you is willing to view our best in that way shows us that not only is the Democratic Party still led by fundamentally engaged white supremacists, but it shows that American politics is not salvific activity. We are not to achieve our salvation as a people from American politics. We are to, we are, that is a major part of it, but that is not the only thing that's ever going to liberate our people because ultimately the Democratic Party, as well as the Republican Party, is one of the master's tools. And to finish that phrase in its fullness for you who, I mean, you brought it up at the beginning, but just full circle, is one of the master's tools. And the master's tools will never destroy the master's house. house. That is not ours. That is, uh, that is sister, uh, what's our sister's name who just recently transitioned to become one of the ancestors who wrote that book? I'm sorry, I got to Google that just to give her props. Because you and I didn't make up that phrase, no, and I didn't. want her to not be uh, invisible. Uh, uh, Audrey Lord. Was it Audrey Lord? Audrey yes. Lord, sister Audrey, Audrey Lord. Lord, Queen yeah. Queen Audrey Lord. The master's right. tools will never destroy the master's house. Um, and the Democratic Party, I'm a card carrying member, yeah. is still one of the master's tools. Yeah. 
salvific. Uh, I had to, I was getting ready to look it up, but then you defined it. So thank you. That's why you got to use it in a sentence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't yes. be Rude dropping word. the words. I'm like, okay, let me write that down and look it up later. <laughs> 866, and what's the context and the uh, the etymology sounds like? Uh, let's go <laughs> Let's go to the phones. James in New Jersey, you're on 866-801-8255. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Ms. Hunter? Awesome. Um, so my interpretation of what Carville was saying is that um, Cornell West uh, running as a third-party candidate in the general election is a menace. And that's because he's going to peel away votes from a Democrat getting elected to the White House. And I feel as though if Cornell West really wants to do anything, he should run in the primary and challenge Joe Biden. Not in the election. Because you're going to have some people that have the attitude that, you know, they you know they like Cornell West, what have you, um, but they still support the Democratic Party. But at the end of the day, he's not going to win. So if you're really playing chess, why are you running as a third-party candidate as opposed to challenging Joe Biden uh, in the Democratic primary? So I think, brother, everything you said is spot on, but I think that that is... So the master's tools is to get us to focus on an irrelevant horse race between Cornell West and Joe Biden, which doesn't exist, as opposed to focusing on the notion that people are telling us that our views and progressive notions are a menace to democratic processes, that our views, as expressed by our most articulate progressive spokesmen, do not have a space in the context of the American sphere of public discussion. That's the issue. And to suggest that Cornell West's ideas are a menace to American democracy or whatever else, that is the problem. Not saying that he's going to siphon. We know Cornell West is not going to win. We know that he, frankly, probably won't even garner enough votes to sway things, i.e. Ross Perot in 1992, right? Mm -hmm. But Or or, or even Ralph Nader in 2000, who you could argue, you know, that 1.5% meant something to the – Cornell West won't hit those numbers. The problem with James Carville is for him to be one of the architects of the Democratic Party telling a man like Cornell West that his views do not belong in the American sphere of public discussion. Because what you're ultimately doing is stifling the progressive wing of your own party. And I'll tell you what, let's say it in this better way as opposed to being accusatory. Let's speak in the positive. What I would challenge Brother Carville from Louisiana to do is to say to stand next to Cornel West and debate him on the merits and tell me why Cornel West's views are wrong and not best for not only the Democratic Party, but for American democracy. Stand toe-to-toe. Yeah, you would never want to do that, would you, James Carville, right? Stand toe-to-toe in public forum with Cornel West and debate and discuss the merits of ideas as opposed to using incendiary language used against the Black freedom fighters of our history to suppress his thoughts before they ever get a chance to have air and life in a discussion among folks who are really setting policy. When I listen to you, Don Calloway, and thank you, Brother James uh, from Jersey, I, I hear, would, would Muhammad Ali be great without Foreman and Frazier? Do you know, like many in many instances, I'm not even sure. saying Cornell West is Frazier or Foreman. I'm saying that catalysts, we, we, need, we need to, you know, 
push the agenda into something better for all of us. And the only way that happens yes. is through challenge, right? So I, I even would have said, you know, now is not the time. But if not now, when, right? And if we don't do it now, uh, you know, maybe Biden can come up with some better ideas that would get people excited to come out in November and forge a coalition. Why not reach out and forge a coalition, bring some of those issues into the tent unless you don't value them, right? And if you don't that's value right. them, you know, then maybe you don't value us. And then, you know, that's a larger question. You don't value us. Yeah. That's, that's right. And, and, you know, Dr. King talked a lot about the white liberal who would tell us to wait. Right. And that's where Dr. King writes and speaks about the fierce urgency of now. And most often that phrase associated with President Obama now, but that is a Dr. King original phrase, the fierce urgency of now. Um, The Supreme Court has told us since 1954, Brown v. Board, that justice delayed is justice denied. So we have to execute with all deliberate speed and deliberate meaning intentional as a synonym for intentional. We have to be intentional about moving swiftly to deliver progress for our people because justice delayed is justice denied. And you're talking about people who we are legislating and deliberating and debating and talking about things about over 10 windows with their actual civil rights. So lives are on the line. So we have to be intentional and urgent about getting these ideas into the discussion. Well, we're going to have more. This is really about having a discussion. This is a, hopefully a safe space where we can do this without having any negative impact. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.